I'm Silas Farley, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. This episode is part two of the conversation about glass pieces. My guests are Helene Alexopoulos, Maria Caligari, Bart Cook, and Gretchen Smith. Enjoy. I just wanted to hear more about the creation of the pas de deux. I remember it so well in that, again, in those SAB studios. And um, it, was, it was exciting. It was exciting to work with Bart. Um, and it made all the difficult um, balancing and going off point and sustaining, because of course we're sustaining this incredible piece of music. And um, there, was, uh, there was so much freedom that I got from Bart to be able to do that, you know, and that was very beautiful. And Jerry, I think Jerry just captured so much of it. Um, he, um, he definitely wanted those positions, but our story, our little private story <laughs> is that when we, after the Grand Jetés, when we got into the, the, the first poses, you know, with the one foot in front of the other, yeah, but it wasn't like that at first. Jerry was very square, like to the wing. So the shoulders were facing the wing and that felt very, maybe strange to us as ballet dancers, you know, we're always in croise and what have you. And so we twisted <laughs> the upper body, you see, and, and that became, he was fine with that, you know, like he, 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 he was all right with that. And what, go ahead, Bart. <laughs> there, there was a, a very interesting chemistry beginning already. And, yeah. and I think it's part of the beauty of the pas de deux is that the man is the woman and the woman is the man. Yeah, they're you exactly. Can hardly, they're you can yin hardly, uh, yeah. and it, it's meant to blend and it did. Really and cool. we would try to out-torque one another. And, and <laughs> you know how, you know how you, when you stand still, you mm -hmm. still have to radiate and actually be more powerful in stillness than you are when you're moving. And uh, I think I already knew this, Maria did too, but we, we certainly amplified our knowledge of standing still and radiating in this particular ballet because we had to hold still. So part of that was making the, the statues breathe without moving. But it was so different from our other repertory, right? Because you, you had all this time, this is also what struck me, um, Bart, I think you would agree, we had all this time on the stage in incredible stillness. And also too, it was very dark, you know, because the, it was only the spots. And so your communication with the audience through this piece became really, really powerful and interesting, you know? And so you felt like you were bringing all this very, I felt uh, meditative, quiet energy to it. and. And just the challenge of sustaining that the whole time and together. And as Bart said, you have this kind of interchanging yin yang thing. You're not quite, you're neither, you know. And that was very interesting. That, that was also mm -hmm. amplified by the quickness and mm -hmm. then the, the stillness or mm -hmm. out, of, mm -hmm. out of nowhere to do the, uh, you the know, arms the, up, he the, would tell us to inhale. Yeah, yeah and, the uh, fast arms. It's wonderful. Take a position without seeing how you got there. Mm -hmm. you, you went from absolute neutral into a very uh, forced, loud position of, uh, and then there's the melting aspect. I, I, that was my favorite places, right towards the very end where we would crumple. And you would try to make yourself as small as mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he would say, 
more go away <laughs> and then bam you had to come at, back up to the the uh, king the yeah, whatever you yeah. were and uh this idea is also throughout the part of this so it it's it was playing with motion and the sustaining of the motion the oh, so beautiful off balance mm -hmm. to the pace place where you can't go any farther we which used turns to like into to another um, we used to like to stretch that aspect as much as possible so you know i mean you can you know how you can dance things just like you know two by four so to speak you know you just are doing to cha 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 and we would try to hold those balances and, and i think he wanted it like as long as possible as long as possible for before going into the dives and everything like that and i think he he, he really appreciated that. And, and you had to be, just to put into the framework of our, our podcast, like those of us that worked with him, you had to be relaxed. You know, this was a huge lesson. Those of us who learned Balanchine at first, and we were all very pumped up with the Russian kind of thing, forcefulness, like when we all had to then begin to do pot of work with with robins it was a huge lesson we had to all the exterior had to go away and you had to become just so present in the moment and so relaxed everything had to be very very clear like that and not not forced not strong you say i don't know how to describe it this is a downtown dance idea from mm -hmm. Yvonne Rayner and mm -hmm. Patricia Brown, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, dropping all of the exterior presentation, mm -hmm. which Jerry loves very much in dances mm -hmm. that are gathering the naturalness of, of mm -hmm. human mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> at any rate, it was I, very freeing. I just have a question for you guys. You know, we just put together dances for one of the moves tour tours and Christine had said something in rehearsals about that quality mm -hmm. that she wondered if that was so much of why Jerry loved the rehearsal process and constantly had you guys rehearsing ballet so that every single time you rehearsed it something was stripped away from almost that like performance aspect you guys would strip something away every single time to find your truer more grounded self. Do you think that that's? I do, Gretchen. And, and I also, to go along with the rehearsal thing, to capture that experience, he did like rehearsals. And he made Ben Benson design the rehearsal clothes in stained glass colors for the dancers hmm. to try to capture the rehearsal stuff. That's why the first movement people are also weird because it's supposed to allude to stained glass with the black belts and the lead between glass pieces and well there's the pun between philip glass to go back to what you said about the many many rehearsals maybe we could look at it that and um maybe helene felt this too there is some kind of um security in rehearsing so much, you do get really, really familiar with it. We never had that with the Balanchine work. You were always just, you know, one rehearsal. Why do you need more rehearsals? He would say, you know, uh, so we did. I'm sure that that did have something to do with uh, feeling very uh, at home. Well, I think that also, you know, the whole easy baby, that's what it comes out of. <laughs> that's right. All easy baby. That's right. And 
And it was this, the, this community of Robin. So in, a, in something like dances, if you were lucky enough to finally get cast because you'd watch it forever in a day, hoping that maybe one day you too could be one of those yeah. special people. And it was the same cast forever and ever. And then finally you got to be in that cast and then you were the same cast for ever, ever and ever. And, and you knew the material, you knew each other, you knew your, it was this thing of like, it just was like you being you. And there was no, like, like Bart said earlier, this performative thing. He hated that. He hated that mm. acknowledgement of the audience. Even if you were looking straight at the audience, like you would at the end in the storm of dances or an antique where you're, you're, you're it's, it's, or fawn or anything, you're looking, but not seeing. And, 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 and plus he wanted things rehearsed a lot because he always got more rehearsal time than Mr. B because Mr. B once again was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever, go do, you'll be fine. And, and somehow you knew you'd be fine too. So it was like, you had these two mindsets. You're like your balancing hat and then you had your Robin's hat and you kind of, you know, it was a wonderful contrast, actually. It really was nice to have both sides of the fence, even though it was confusing sometimes. And you could bring one into the other. How would you articulate how you would bring the one into the other in your own practice? Uh, I don't know. The, the, the balancing can be performed in a cold, heartless manner. And, and many dancers do, and they find security there. He, however, did love seeing you be yourself through that material. And if you did it really well enough, he'd change something for you, which he did several times. For, for or he'd create something for you. Create something for Inspire him with that, and he would go into it and bring it out. <laughs> Gretchen, as someone who's in the company now and in this time where we've been, we've been fortunate to work with some other wonderful choreographers, but we don't have Mr. Balanchine or Mr. Robbins, how do you feel in that um, that dynamic of living inside of the kind of closed canon of both of these men's ballets, but a, a canon that's full of possibilities? I mean, the ballets are so rich, but we relate to them through the movement, not through the men themselves. Just being in this conversation is unlocking a whole other aspect to to how lucky we are to get to dance both works. I mean. I think it's interesting too, as I'm listening to all three of you, everything that we're taught now is, is learned through those that were in the room. And the only real difference being that to your point, Bart, especially glass pieces, Silas and I kind of touched on this yesterday. What I love so much about that third movement is constantly creating these vortexes, right? in circles, the men are, the women are. And I feel that you're sort of exchanging your own interpretation or emotions that you're involving and they kind of get stuck in the circle and they keep creating movement and energy and this really beautiful exchange. And I love the juxtaposition of Balanchine and Jerry's work. And I feel immensely grateful that I get to experience both. Um, but I do feel that they inform one another and they inform the base that is New York City Ballet. And I feel that, you know, when you're dancing Jerry's work, I, I actually find that there's almost more 
of a specificity to it than to Balanchine's work. And sometimes I remember there was one season where we were doing opus jazz and we were doing Stravinsky violin concerto. And suddenly in Stravinsky violin concerto, like, you know, the flicks are like doing some of the things in the finale where I was like, oh, this is kind of fun because I feel like I can bring a little bit of Jerry into this now because there was there there seemed to be this like marriage in my mind. Gretchen, I was just going to say they they really would inspire one another and in glass pieces is the trudging with the hand on the hip and the reflexed <laughs> violin concerto. I mean, that's men's whole movement and Jerry honored Mr. Balanchine by saying, I love when that happens in Stravinsky Violin Concerto and I'm gonna take it and use it in glass pieces. They also would each steal from themselves and amplify with a new idea. You know, each, each ballet, it was, it was wonderful to be working for two geniuses who could do, do this and they <laughs> egged each other on. And um, they would steal from one another as all good artists do. Uh, you can call it steal or you can, call it inspired by, or you can call it plagiarism, whatever you want. Um, one grows out of the next. And it's wonderful to watch Mr. Balanchine's ballets evolve from his earlier pieces over the histories. And the, the historians have helped us look at that. And as we learn and get to teach them and dance them more, we see it even more. Jerry is the same out of his own work comes. I mean, the, the, the lifts in, uh, in the night, are actually the jetés of Marie and I entering. And I think Maria was doing the first movement of In the Night by then. Were you sweetheart? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not, but he was inspired by those lifts and mm -hmm. Maria was absolutely beautiful in that. And Helene, you danced that role too, right? That was so a gift. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are those slow motion lifts and you even the positions, you know, and the, the flying, the floating at any rate. Jerry stole a lot from himself. I have Watermill the, the, the evolved, evolved he, up into the next idea. He built on himself. You know, yes. when I think about it, and funny, when you think about it, Concertino actually preceded glass pieces. Right, Mr. Vincent. And Concertino is po possibly his, Good. you know, I'm thinking now I'm just saying this without having really done any research, but Concertino was sort of like that first kind of that, that you know, remote, detached kind of thing. Unitards. Um, Unitards, exactly. Unitards, and, and, and so like, and like Bar, you were saying that maybe he really wasn't, what he was working on with me and Peter wasn't really meant for glass, but it was his anticipating his next prop. Who, who can say? Um, but I, I do remember thinking that in hindsight, only as you, you know, you get older and you look back fondly and you think, and you think what an embarrassment of riches and what, it's like waking up every day and saying, hmm, am I gonna have filet mignon? Or am I gonna have lobster? I don't know. I don't know, or I'll have both because that's all it was. It was Mr. B and Jerry, Jerry and Mr. B. And I even remember one time as an ungrateful little core dancer, I was, called to work on something that Mr. B was choreographing, but Jerry had to have the people he wanted. And so I was taken out of the balancing thing and thrown into the Robbins thing, Bart with you in ragtime. So oh, God, yes, <laughs> you can imagine my upset. <laughs> I was Get like, going. no, <laughs> say it in, please don't. <laughs> but, um, and then also feeling enormous, <laughs> 
pity is the wrong word, but but empathy for Jerry because yes, Mr. B admired Jerry and and Jerry admired Mr. B, but I never felt that that Mr. B felt less than. He was he had his confidence in himself, and Jerry always felt I felt that he suffered from this, you know, Avis. I'm second best. I'm not, and, and and yet he was without a doubt a genius. I. I, just a genius beyond and 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 that he couldn't have enjoyed his genius and his and his gifts always made me a little sad for him i wanted to take a, a moment to talk about the third movement it's so it's such a celebration of the court of ballet and from the very first episode of this podcast you know i guess almost two years ago we talked about how one of the founding vision ideas of Balanchine and Kirstein's company was a company of interchangeable soloists and where every member of the core could be like a soloist and the level of dancing required from a court of ballet dancer in New York City ballet from the get-go was at this crazy high level and that the the glass pieces third movement is a, a total celebration of the core. It's the men's core unfolding, the women's core unfolding, their counterpoint. I just would love to hear your insights on that, who were there, and then also Gretchen, the experience, what it feels like, the pride it feels like to dance it now. But to, to Bart, Marie, and Helene first. Salas, the, the Balanchine piece, Tombeau de Couperin, is a ballet of, of beauty and soloists and ballerinas and uh, premier dancers. And that formed that uh, feeling that came into the glass pieces finale. I think, again, Mr. Balanchine's departure was part of the success of the cohesion of the third movement. And I know that my friends who were in it at the time, right. loved it. they loved it, you know, they really loved it, except for the women who were always, the, you know, in Jerry's ballets, didn't he always have like one or two people that did nothing? You know, like they stuck, they were like, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to Gretchen like, right, Gretchen, you mentioned it, right? And I remember talking to Delia about it, and she was one of those ones that then did it's like and in, in Opus um 19, there's like one or two that like the, the extras, and you're like, but Jerry, why why not? <laughs> I don't know. But in any case, they loved it and and it was it was their chance to shine and really like you know really be the the focus and um I'm sure you love it too, Gretchen, or when you were doing it or you're still doing it. I'm, no, I don't. I don't do it anymore. I miss it. Oh, just to your point, you know that in the company now it's called the Jerry Run-On. Oh, yes. So now it, when you're learning a ballet, it's called oh, the, Jerry, no. the Jerry Run-On. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, but they, actually, it's kind of amazing because the way that they've sort of integrated it is it's a rite of passage now. So apprentices usually are the Jerry run on so that they can get a taste of uh, or, you know, first, second year core. But um, that's <laughs> hilarious that you're saying that. And that's what it is now. I was saying to Silas, I feel it's almost hard to really talk about the third movement because everyone holds so much pride and joy and honor getting to dance that third movement. It's nice. And it's reflected back to you from the audience. That yeah. was awesome 
the the screaming at the end when we would when we were doing it it was just fantastic that moment after the blackout of the second movement and as the saxophone is trailing away and then all of a sudden silence the brightest lights come on and you hear that drum Mm. oh my gosh Mm -hmm. goosebumps every time it was a young jock soto who had probably not done much at all who set the scene and he (laughs) was another angel flying around the stage again is the genius of Jerry is plucking that essence of people and and as he did with Bart and Maria and 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 that that epic pas de deux and then just capturing Jacques in that in that moment um that run around yeah uh, wonderful um, Gretchen what does it feel like to dance that third moment there's nothing like it I was really reflecting on this yesterday, specifically very core, strong ballets that we get to do, right? Like even Opus Jazz is one of them, Tombo for the women, Concerto Barocco, and really kind of what the difference is. And I, I just feel even Symphony in C, that last finale, almost everyone from the company is on that stage. But that third movement of glass, and I, I do feel that so much of it does come from the music, but so rarely do the men and women sort of get lost in their exhaustion and exuberance together on stage in a mass like that. And so during that last eye of the storm where you're, you, you want to vomit, you're so exhausted, but you can't stop giving more and more and more because it's such an exhilarating feeling and that music is carrying you. But also while you're dipping up and down, you're locking eyes and you're seeing joy. And it's, it's really unlike any other ballet. But also I think too, for the girls, our first step out and you're just in a little plie and you're chugging along and to kind of have this moment where you're sort of all of a sudden becoming one with the men and so grounded and then all of a sudden you break out into a circle and you're staring at one another and you do a big kick and you start swiveling your hips and there's something sort of like hypnotic about the whole the whole thing so it's like that second movement line went off gathered their their whatever and they said we're coming back only we're coming back in a totally different way (laughs) now you're gonna see us let it rip so um I remember just being in the wings going like okay well not in the wings but you know when he was making it thinking like okay surely he's gonna bring us on (laughs) we have to come on and do something we can't that can't be it and then just to see how exciting and dynamic it was it was like oh too bad you know it was really wanting to join the, the, the frenzy.
Mm. It's nice to hear from Gretchen how everyone loves performing it still. That's beautiful. Oh yeah, mm. I don't. I don't think that will ever go away. Any final thoughts about this particular piece from any of you, or you know, final reflections about Jerry, or what this ballet meant to you, means to you individually? I can say for me, it was his first gift to me because it wasn't the first principal role that I danced for him, but it was the first principal role that he created for me or with me, I, you know, that I was there. And so that was just a huge, meaningful thing to me, a gift to me. And his last gift to me was Anita and West Side Story. So, you know, I, I just love Jerry. I, he made all the difference um, as well as Mr. B, but I, you know, they, they were different. And I just, I'm so grateful that I was lucky enough to, to work with him and to sort of make that cut and be part of the Jerry dancer group. For me, uh, the pas de deux was a great, beautiful gift. And um, of course it was the beginning of my relationship with Maria and as we've retired, we actually took a beautiful photograph of us that I'm not sure, she's in the penche and I'm almost in splits holding her up, but the silhouette is quite remarkable and we used it for our logo for our businesses. So it was very meaningful to us and is still, the memories are lovely. For me, um, I would say Jerry was a big part of my development as a as a ballerina, really, but I, I was, I think we were very grateful that there was this uh, artistry in the transition because the transition was so hard. And so, um, you know, it really challenged us all to become the dancers we were, uh, could be. And, you know, as Mr. B was passing and um, he really challenged us. So I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And this piece, of course, is very dear to us for many reasons. I, I'm just incredibly grateful for glass pieces. It was one of the first things that I got to do at a really young age. And I felt, I feel like it really solidified so much of what I love mm -hmm. about being in the core. And I also just feel, you know, so grateful because Balanchine and Jerry, they do inform one another. And I didn't know too much about New York City Ballet when I came to New York, to be totally honest. And I'm incredibly grateful that this is where I ended up. And I don't think I would be the artist or person that I am without either of these two men. And I know that I did not learn directly from them, but their ballets are just beyond anything in my imagination. So getting to dance them is, is incredibly valuable. Well, with that, I just wanna thank each of you for sharing your heart and your, your passion and your memories of this ballet that's very special to each of you. And thank you so much. I'd like to end this episode with the words of Richard Mordock, a longtime city ballet pianist and conductor. Mr. Mordock served as rehearsal pianist for Jerry during the creation of Glass Pieces, played the synthesizer part with the orchestra in the ballet's premiere, and went on to conduct the ballet as well. 
Mr. Mordot graciously wrote me answers to several questions I had about his work on glass pieces. Here is how he remembered the preparation for the ballet at the time of Balanchine's decline and passing and the triumphant premiere of the ballet. We all seemed to be holding our breath during that period, waiting for what we knew was coming. It was a very good thing that we were kept busy, not only with the spring rep rehearsals, but also with a new ballet that required so many dancers and so much rehearsal time. When the news finally came that Mr. Balanchine had passed, things went on much as usual, except for the palpable feeling of something not being said about what the future of New York City Ballet would be. The glass premiere and its attendant reception turned out to be rather cathartic. Somehow, perhaps because of the highly elevated emotions precipitated by New York City Ballet's situation, there was a tremendous electricity to the performance that was never to be repeated, although there have been many well-performed and well-received performances since then. I can still recall the audience leaping to its feet, the loud cheering and the ovations that went on and on. The audience was as emotionally charged as the performers. To learn more about Jerome Robbins, Philip Glass, and Glass Pieces, please consult the reading list, which can be found in the notes for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance.